we're like thinking about the scriptures and the Bible. And this morning I read in the Bible, in the very beginning, God created the world. He created heaven and earth. He said, let there be light. So he let the, the sun like explode into brightness. And then he created the planet. We figured out a lot of what he's done so far. I mean, our astronomers are looking at new worlds being formed and suns going exploding and all kinds of fun things. But I want to talk today about the life that he created on Earth and the love that he has for that life because we're forming a healing life movement and we want everyone to appreciate living and life. So... Because it's good. Living is good. The alternative, not so good. After is great. Yeah. That's right. So, um, okay, so he created the planet. And then he created the biosphere. And then he had, like, lots of water. And so he started building little microbes in there with DNA. And he started, you know, and I think the angels were helping him. And they were doing what's called bioengineering. I remember in Star Trek, they were bioengineering a planet, and that was kind of cool. But God does big-time bioengineering. So he had all of the plants growing, and he had all of the animals on the planet eating plants, and so nobody ate each other, and everything was harmonious. Everything was like as it should be, right? And there was a lot of love, and everybody was happy. Then he created man. And man, the first man, Adam, who I think he created out of the lineage of uh, a lot of different mammals that he was working with at the time. You know, it might have been an ape or something. But I think in the, in the um, Bible, it's like he created him out of dust, which means he was an organic life form and he created it with DNA. And he's certainly capable of just like generating a whole new life form but I don't know. Anyway, so he was like happy with Adam and Adam was happy with him and they loved each other. And they were walking in the garden together and they were, and he, God brought animals to Adam and had him name. In other words, he was helping Adam to think and to be able to talk and be able to be an intelligent life form, right? I mean, he was like getting, like going to school with God. It was really cool. And he's going, well, you know, <laughs> he needs a helper. He needs someone to hang with, you know. And I created this penis in him, and it's probably something that he's going to need down the road. So let's figure out woman. So he went upstairs and designed a woman. Wow, did he do a good job. I just love what he did there. I mean, whoa. Absolutely beautiful. So he, he created woman, and, and this is what I think. He took a rib out of Adam so that he would have the DNA that he's already created for man and just tweak it a little bit and, uh, you know, make the second X chromosome and all that, and then he, boom, created woman. So Adam and Eve were the first human beings and they were walking with God and they were learning and they were talking and they were like being able to think and do stuff. And God's walking with them and he says, okay, now there's the tree of life. You get to eat that and live forever, but don't eat this tree over here. It says, 
it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And I, for the life of me, I cannot understand why God did not just post a couple of angels around the, that tree or like build a big high fence around it or something. He left it right there for Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve are like hanging in the garden and then here comes the test. And if anyone's lived longer than like, you know, 10 years, even, I didn't think even like maybe five years old, you understand about tests, right? Even younger. Even younger. Oh, oh, tests suck. Anyway, so so here comes the test. So so this angel comes down in the form of a snake. Now, how many snakes do you know that can talk? None, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met one. I, I've seen a lot of snakes. I went to the zoo and saw a bunch of them slithering around and everything, and, and they're okay, you know? I mean, it's kind of weird, like laying on your belly and walking. But anyway, this snake talked. In other so words, in the spirit world. Yeah, in other words, this is not a snake, right? This is like an angel that's like come down and decided to talk to him and tempt him and test him, right? So now they're sitting there looking at this. Oh, I think he first went to Eve. Yeah. So he went to Eve and he talked with Eve and he said, you know, this, this tree is like this tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil is really good. And it tastes really good. And if you eat it, you'll have an understanding of good and evil. And then you'll be like God. And she's going, well, God told us not to eat it. And he said, ah, don't worry about it. You won't die. He's, you know, she was worried that if she ate it, she would die because God told them that if they eat it, they were going to die. Well, anyway, so she, the, the bottom line is she failed her test, right? Yeah, God gave her free will. Yeah, and she, you know, and she basically rebelled against what God was telling her to do, which is really common. I mean, we see that all the time down here. <laughs> it's like <laughs> this is not this is not something unusual. And so, you know, of course, when you rebel against God, you're rebelling against the perfect path, the the way that you know. He, I mean, He's really wise. He's created lots of life forms. He knows exactly what's going on. And he knows how to live eternally. And so he said, okay. Oh, so, so anyway, so the point of this whole story is that after she tells Adam and both of them eat this fruit of this tree of knowledge of good and evil and their eyes were opened, the first thing that happened to them, because they were naked before that, right? And there was absolutely no problem with being naked. They had a great time. They were like... Like, you know how the nudists run around going, whoopee, I'm free. They were like having a great time in the creation without any shame. And as soon as they ate that not, that tree, that from that tree, that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, they felt shame for the first time in their lives. And because of that, they ran and hid because they knew they were naked. And... God comes down and like, I mean, he plays dumb and he says, you know, where are you? You know, and, and they're saying, we're hiding behind this bush. And he says, well, why are you hiding? And he said, and they say, you know, because we're naked. And we're ashamed. And it was like the shame was the first 
thing that happened to us that caused us to lo lose love. We lost something very precious in that moment. We lost the ability to love ourselves and not be ashamed of who we are and what we do. And if there's one thing that I have seen Jesus restore in me, it's that I'm not ashamed of myself anymore. And I'll tell you, there are spirits and there are people that are working overtime to try to make me ashamed of myself. That there's something wrong with me. That, there's, that, there, that I am not worthy of this or I'm not able to do that. You know, I know when I was young and I didn't realize this and I didn't have Jesus helping me to grow up into being a loved person. Loved by God, loved by myself, loved by my wife, loved by my kids. Before I was a loved person, I was so ashamed of myself, I was trying to kill myself. I was smoking cigarettes. I was driving recklessly on the freeway. I was getting mad at people and yelling at them and stuff instead of just realizing, well, they're hurt. They're trying to hurt me, but they're not gonna. You know, and I, I, I didn't have much in the way of forgiveness. And the other thing was that sexual immorality, I believe, is a weapon to inflict shame on us. Isn't that crazy? But when you are free of that, you can enjoy your sexual being. You can enjoy who you are as a person. I enjoy being a man. I enjoy having a lovemaking with my wife and having an erection. <laughs> Oh, dear, I said the word. But you know what I mean? There's no shame in me anymore about having my body be used with my wife to make love. I think that that is a healing of love. And what's interesting about this is that the shame generates this counterattack of righteous indignation and self-righteousness that led Cain to murder Abel. That he was so pissed off, he was so angry at God and at Abel that he actually murdered his own brother. And the whole race has this problem with learning how to love again because of this nonsense that's gone on in our hearts that's caused us to think that we're not loved, that there's something wrong with us, that we should be ashamed of ourselves and therefore we should defend ourselves and join into groups and let's all form a group that is, has the same kind of problem, like, like rebellion, and then we're gonna demand that we're not discriminated against. Can you see it? It's like this, all this Black Lives Matter and all of the, the people that are, that are trying to say that uh, a person is racist or is a homophobe. Shame or is on you. Yeah. You should be ashamed. It's all over the place. Everybody wants to defend themselves from being shamed. It's a weapon. I'm telling you, it is a weapon against love that was created by Satan in the garden, and it has not stopped until, until we stop it, until... We, as a race, stand up and say, we're okay. 
we are not to be ashamed of ourselves. And we stand with God, and we want to learn from God how to come back and love each other. And, and forgive. And forgive each other. And stop this insanity. And we all fall short. We all do things that aren't right, but we God, forgive. God, God says, who cares? Come to me. I'll learn. I'll teach you how to learn how to do it right. You know, when I was a surgeon, a young surgeon, I had humility. I had an understanding that I was not a master surgeon, and I had to learn from the master how to hold a scalpel, get into a human body, do my work, get out without leaving complications, without damaging anything more than what I absolutely needed to do, and have the result be pleasing, where people would walk on their leg again, or they would be able to move a joint again. They would be able to, you know... Normal be, function. Yeah, they, they'd be able to say, that surgery was worth it. That surgery helped me. I'm healing because of that. So when I was young and I didn't know all of the things that I needed to know to be able to do that, I went and I learned from the master surgeon who'd done thousands of surgeries. And he showed me. And I'll tell you, the guys that were really good, that taught me really good, made me really good. And I was a really good surgeon, so I became a master, and I began teaching others how to do it. That's God. That's Jesus. Jesus came, listen, Jesus has been alive for, for literally billions of years. I mean, he actually saw the universe be created by his Father. And we know that the universe is like billions of years old. So Jesus is very wise. He's a master. He touched a leper, and that leper healed instantly. I keep asking him, how do you do that kind of work? <laughs> I mean, that's like crazy. I mean, it changes the physical structure of a human being without, that, without anesthesia, without antibiotics. I mean, how does he do that? He's God. He, he's God, <laughs> that's right. I mean, but, but he's the master. And he's the master at healing shame and restoring love. And if we take him out of our culture, if we take him out of what we're doing as a race. Or out of our personal lives. Or out, exactly. You can see the result. It's as if we are showing all the angels in heaven and all of the creation what it's like to rebel against love and to become an unloving and unkind race. It's no wonder they're planning on killing us off. You know that there, there's going to be an end when a comet or something hits, the asteroid hits our planet, just like the dinosaurs, this whole planet's going to be sterilized and they're going to start over again? But thank goodness we don't know how and we don't know when. I so know. all well, we have is now. That's, the, that's <laughs> the end times and that's all. That. But the, my point is that, you know, they're waiting to see if we... Wake up. That's our job. We have to wake up to what's going on and to start to learn about God and his love healing not just a person or even a culture, but healing a planet. Healing Can you imagine? Life. Healing life. So that's why we started Healing Life. Through the uncommon 
provision of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. That's right. So we're hoping it's going to be a movement, right? Yeah. That's the healing that's life, the healing life movement. And then we can have people who recognize this and wake up and they can form groups and they can start with their own families. That's what we're doing. We're starting to love and be loved in our own family. And the family of God and then other people reach out, it can multiply. Yeah. So if you want to get involved, you can go to uncommonprovision.com or healinglifechurch.com. Yeah. That's right. So and we're working social. on it. And social. Yeah. So we're working on it. We'll get more detail later. But I wanted to share with you this problem started a long time ago, thousands of years ago. And it's as if we haven't learned our lesson. And it's time for us to learn our lesson because we have the ability. I know we have the ability because I know. I have felt so much love from people. Yeah. Okay, well, this is Dean, Dr. Dean, Pastor Dean. <laughs> yeah. and How about Disciple Dean? How's that? <laughs> How about just playing Dean? <laughs> okay, Dean and Jeannie. Dean and Jeannie. <laughs> Foster. Uh-huh. Saying, we love you. Yep. Bye for now.